Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine here with Attorney Mark Scroggins of Scroggins Family Law, serving Dallas, Collin, and Denton counties with offices located in Dallas and Plano, Texas. This is the Scroggins Family Law podcast series featuring news and information, Texas divorce and family law. Today's show is Time, Place, and Manner of Civility in Divorce and Family Law Cases. And what we're talking about when civility, we're talking about reasonableness. We're talking about professionalism among divorce lawyers and when, you're, when your word really is credibility. Uh, we're also talking about attorneys keeping and clients, everybody keeping your cool uh, during the entire process. Again, another way to boost your credibility. Uh, also, how to best respond to your favorite people who are sometimes obstructionists the gamesmanship out there, and anything that can affect your divorce case in a way that you do not want. Of course, we're also going to talk about the art of disagreeing without being disagreeable, which is a sign of maturity and reasonableness. You know, these topics are things that we have all learned over time and been taught by grandma, you know, or someone, um, but they're always good refreshers, especially things that happen, you know, new attorneys, young attorneys, people shifting into different practice areas. There's all sorts of things that people are so concerned with on a daily basis, and sometimes being civil is what is uh, unfortunately forgotten. I'm here with Mark Scroggins. He is a board-certified and family law attorney. He's aggressive and experienced in trial. He, again, practices in Dallas, Collin, and Denton counties. By disclaimer, this is a general information program, and this is not legal advice. Uh, so let me uh, say good afternoon to Mark Scroggins. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm doing well. I can lose my headset now, too. All right. All right. Good stuff. All right. You know, so when we talk about civility, I just want to, you know, talk about the first thing that I can remember is this idea of professional courtesy and uh, trust among among attorneys. Uh, I remember being in law school when uh, I was working at a firm and I was clerking and I got a, a scrambly phone call from someone who says, you know, hey, your case is up on call and, um, you know, no one's there from your office and the judge is looking for someone. I messed out the law clerk. I said, well, you know, I thought that we continued that and that person's still there and that can lead to a whole myriad of troubles. Sure. You know, there, there are all kinds of <clears throat> different issues. I mean, professionalism is something that uh, all lawyers are supposed to adhere to. Uh, plenty don't. Uh, there are plenty that do as well. And um, I think a lot of lawyers lose, lose sight of the fact that not only are they to zealously represent the best interests of their client, but that you know, they're also supposed to treat other lawyers with respect and they should treat the parties with respect. Now, sometimes that's real hard to do. Um, but for the, the majority of the time, that's something that everybody should at least strive to do. And I think there, there are plenty of people that don't strive. Right. You know, when we talk about credibility, um, we're talking not only about attorneys, but also our clients. And as the saying goes, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And if you blow it, uh, you know, it's, it might be, you know, difficult to, to change that. Um, let's talk about when your word is your credibility and that applies to attorneys as well as clients and everyone involved. Well, there's no question about it. I mean, you know, the first, you know, first thing that I will always tell, tell a client is, uh, you know, the most important thing when you testify is to tell the truth, you know, good or bad, 
the most important thing is to tell the truth because once you know if you get caught in a lie your credibility is gone once your credibility is gone the ability to rebuild that with the court is damn near non-existent so uh you know it is better to deal with bad facts uh you know on the on the up and up so to speak rather than uh not admitting to stuff and that that's where you see a lot of a lot of folks get into trouble uh, doing this, especially with documents and discovery. They don't want to turn certain stuff over. And, um, and you will get certain lawyers that will, will play that game as well, which is just, you know, really, really bad. It's not the way the system is supposed to work. But, you know, you find somebody who's withholding, withholding evidence, and then you bring that in front of the court. You know, everything they say is just looked at as BS from that point on. So, you know, you can pretty much kiss your case goodbye, you know, if the other other side can prove that you have been disingenuous in, in what you have said and that you have withheld documents that you have no business withholding. You know, withholding documents like that when you know that it's going to come out anyways. I mean, it's if it's not turned over in discovery, you can send us, you know, bank records, um, you know, send a subpoena, boom, everything is found there. Right. And, you know, after a while, something might happen where someone files a motion for sanctions against the other, and there may be a arguably innocent client on and who is going to have to possibly pay for additional attorney's fees to appear at a motion for sanctions and do all this. And, you know, a lot of these things happen, and the client is not the one who's at fault and it gets a difficult it gets to be a difficult thing and that's when clients get angry and if they have a sense that this is going on and there's malfeasance they're going to go after that lawyer well and that's you know there there are questions that should be asked that uh frankly most clients don't know to ask when you're when you're hiring a lawyer and uh you know specifically what we're talking about here is stuff in the discovery process and and you know how many folks come in to hire a lawyer and know enough about the process to ask, you know, what is, how do you generally handle objecting to discovery requests? And do you turn over all the documents or do you hide behind certain requests and, and make the other side force the issue? I mean, that's, you know, incredibly detailed that, you know, unless you're pretty much a professional litigant, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to know to ask. And unfortunately, I think there are, there are an awful lot of lawyers out there, uh, and I think we are all guilty to a certain degree of objecting to things that we shouldn't object to. Um, and I think that's the way a lot of us were trained, that, you know, you throw it all in and you see if the other, the other side makes you uh, come back and withdraw some of those objections. Now, I've tried to get a lot better about that over the years. Uh, there are also folks that, you know, they try to, they do that same thing hiding behind the objections with a bunch of documents, you know, and try to force the issue of, you know, someone else making them uh, actually produce documentation that they should have. And then additionally, you know, you could, you could find a, a lot of that going by the wayside if a lot of the courts, frankly, would step up and would sanction people for it. And unfortunately, you don't have a lot of courts that will do that, at least not right away, not on the first go-round, uh, unless they can show that it's really egregious. Now, I'm not talking about playing a game of gotcha, you know, either of, you know, uh, someone screwed up and left out, you know, this one series of text messages that took place over, you know, a three-day shot, and they come back and find that later. I'm talking about someone that, you know, is looking at stuff and saying, oh, well, uh, we're not going to answer that particular interrogatory because it's not relevant, and that's total bullshit, you know, when you know it's relevant. And, um, 
you know, and unfortunately, you get too many too many judges that don't hold people's feet to the fire on on stuff like that, and you know that gets into a whole other political discussion on the elect election of judges, and you know having to uh, <laughs> having to be concerned about the the people who are cutting them money, cutting them checks for their uh, uh, for their campaigns. But you know, so there there are a whole lot of things that that go into that process. Right, right. All our North Texas judges are wonderful. They are great people, very respected members of the, the bench. Um, it's those out there in the boonies judges we're talking about, right? That, that's exactly right. Of course, it's not any judge that I actually deal with on, you know, a, a daily, weekly, monthly, or annual basis. Of course, it's it's all the nameless judges that we just hear all Ab- these bad things about. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, same with the firms that are, you know, teaching people the wrong way. You know, I want to just make a comment for people who are uh, young in their practice, a few years out of law school. Um, The first couple firms you work at, really, I can't, it's like having a tennis or golf instructor. Mm -hmm. They can really set you up for, I mean, they're laying the foundation for how you even look at a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, and I can remember when I was in law school, I had a a, a, a guy who used to say, uh, you know, the rules of evidence aren't used as much in law because everyone needs, in family law, because everyone needs to find out what the marital estate is, this and that. Um, and, you know, too often the reason that people don't object to things more is because of the greater good of finding out what's all there and, you know, so making it a little bit different from civil litigation. But having having said that, there are disagreements on what should be allowed, what should be proper, and when we, you know, you're talking about objecting to things before, whether it be in a just regular, you know, temporary orders hearing or a final trial. Right. Um, but there are ways we talk about how to object to things without getting into being obstructionist and without getting into screaming matches, where the anxiety level for most of the folks is there is already high enough. Right. Well, you know, there are whole there are a whole lot of different different issues there. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I always uh, that I always mention to to a client is that I hope that their their spouse or their former spouse or their baby mama or baby daddy, you know, hires the best lawyer that they can find because it makes it a whole lot easier going forward. I'm going to have dealt with that other lawyer. Uh, previously, or at least know him or her by reputation, and vice versa, and uh, you know, so we're going to deal with each other on the up and up. Now, that doesn't always happen. I mean, there are those folks out there, you know, that have a reputation of playing hide the ball, and uh, you know, so you are very tentative in the way that you deal with them. Um, but the aggressiveness on, you know, there, there's a difference between, you know, being aggressive and, excuse my French, but being an asshole. You know, there's a time and a place to be aggressive, uh, you know, and you want to, you know, I'm a, a huge believer in being aggressive in the way, that's the way I try cases, it's the way I handle evidentiary hearings. Um, and, you know, if we're, if we're going to go have a hearing, you know, then, you know, the, the gloves are off and it's a bare knuckle brawl in there. Now, that being said, it's not a free-for-all. You know, it's not one of these things, you know, too many people have have seen L.A. law once or twice too many and think that you can get away with some of the crap that you see on TV or in the movies, and and you can't, Um, you know, and the clamps have to be put on that. Then again, you know, there are times where, you know, I might go a little beyond what I anticipate is um, reasonable, 
uh, or would typically do just simply because I've got a witness there that I know is lying. And so I'm trying to rattle, uh, you know, so they're different. There are all kinds of different things that you have to employ depending on what the, uh, what the circumstances are, but hopefully, you know, and if you are, if you are a litigant, I think, you know, the, what you want to do is have a conversation with your lawyer of, look, I'm all about being aggressive, you know, and let's, let's figure out what the best way is to, to handle this case. Um, you know, but I don't want to sit there and incur a bunch of ridiculous fees for no reason, just because we're trying to play hide the ball with someone when they're they're If they're entitled to the information, let's give it to them. So we're not wasting time and money doing that. <clears throat> you know, you talk about, the client being there and seeing that sometimes you have to go toe to toe with people and be aggressive. You know, I, I, sometimes I think that there's a lot of theater that goes on in the courtroom Mm -hmm. and where those people may appear to be aggressive and obstructionist just for the sake of it. It may be that their client really likes that. And their client is turned on by a tough lawyer who's just beating the other side up. So, and if you, yeah, you can have a sense of, you know, who, you know, who drives, you know, what cars are wearing, what suits and what she, you know, you know who these people are, you know, well, of course, none of us, none of our friends are anyone of no, these people, no, no, not at all, never. but, you know, to, uh, you know, when, when you see, you know, so you might be in a situation where you know what's happening, but your client doesn't really get that. Right. And afterwards, your client is going to know, are we okay? Because it sounds like you just got beat up in court, right. you know, but you're just choosing to be civil. You ever ever had that conversation? I have had that conversation with people. And there's, you know, there are different ways that you are going to, let me rephrase that. A good trial lawyer is going to know the personalities of the judges, of the other parties, and of the other lawyers. And that is going to determine how they handle a particular case. There are very few, I think, that are um, going to be as effective as they could if, you know, they, if they basically run the same game plan on every case, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you got to change it up. It's like football, you know, you got to have a different game plan depending on who, who you're playing. And, and there is some of that to what you're talking about. I mean, I remember when I was a young lawyer and I was taking a deposition of, of uh, the spouse of my client. And I remember my client, you know, making a, a comment about sure hoping that, you know, uh, that he would see me make his, his wife cry within a period of 15 minutes, you know, and opened up his laptop and had a 15 minute counter <laughs> counting down, you know, so no pressure. No, no, none at all. But it's like having a girlfriend that stands in the football game. That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, there, there are all kinds of different folks that have, uh, you know, different desires, different needs on some of these things. And one of the things that, you know, I was having a, uh, uh, having a discussion with, with uh, uh, an associate of mine, uh, Blake Rudd, today, and we were talking about mediation and the reason that I'm not a believer in half-day mediations, okay? I just think, for the most part, they generally don't work. Um, and the reason is this. Family law is incredibly emotional, okay? It is, it's very difficult for people to completely divorce themselves <laughs> from the process for you know, no pun intended, or maybe a little pun intended, um, and just look at it as a business decision. Now, if you just look at it as a business decision and people get down to the brass tacks of things and cut out all the BS, 
you could settle just about any case that's going to settle within a period of half a day. The problem is when you go to a mediation, you've got certain clients that need to be heard regardless of whether it's going to go to trial. If there's any chance of getting it settled, they have to be heard and they have to feel like they are getting at least their pound of flesh by telling the mediator and anybody else who cares to listen what a victim they are and how much they've been victimized by this horrible, terrible person that they were married to or had a kid with or whatever. So you've got to, you know, you've got to be able to separate that. So it's, it's kind of the same thing in the courtroom. You know, there's some people that understand that, well, I know I'm probably going to lose, but I want to make this as uncomfortable for them as possible. And sometimes, frankly, that can be a good plan because some people just are not meant to be in court. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some people that you put on the stand for the first time. You're like, holy crap, that person is a pro. I want them to give lessons to all my other clients on how to testify. And then there are others where you've spent time prepping them and they're incredibly intelligent and, you know, on top of things emotionally. And, boy, they get on the stand and greater, you know, cannot remember things and just – get beat senseless for no apparent reason whatsoever. Hmm. You know, when you talk about all the emotion involved, um, it makes me think of a good saying that people make decisions based on emotion, and then they later justify those decisions with ration and logic. Right. And, you know, so you can have two people coming into, let's say, one of these half-day mediations, and they know what their given points are in this, and they say, I'm going to give on that. I want this. I don't, you know, they, they're, they're pretty close. And then one person says something and then the whole thing goes sideways and you're going a different direction. And I think that, you know, with the, the, the kind of the concept here of people when they do lose their civility and lose their manners a little bit and do, you know, cut deep. I mean, you have to, what I think about is these folks who used all the time before they got divorced maybe thrived a little bit on that fighting there's a little bit of a benefit that people get sometimes and now these people are separated and only talk through their attorneys so you get them in the room and they're ready to say you know boom 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 and they're going toe-to-toe and lose their civility over the concept of who's going to get the boat and you know the one doesn't want the boat but they want the other to hear exactly how they feel about why they can't have the boat. And so maybe there is value in losing your cool in that sense. That, well, that's, that's right. I mean, it's now they're able to give on something else. Well, and where you were talking about the boat, what it comes down to is they, it's not that they want the boat, but they want the other person not to have the boat that's right. so much that they're willing to take the boat. They'll you sink know, the boat. They that's don't. right. It's, it's like the They'll thing. They'll unhitch that thing on 635. They don't care. That's right. It's like, well, you know, the, the old saying with the boat owner, you know, two best days are the day you bought it and the day you sold it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the day it comes, the day it goes. That's right. So, you know, when we look at some of these things, uh, even though it sounds like where we're saying that we should all be civil all the time, sometimes family law is just a little more complicated. Um, another thing that I like to think about uh, within civility is professional courtesies. And I'm not talking about the cop not giving you a speeding ticket because they know you're a lawyer. I'm talking about calling someone and confirming an appointment, confirming whether, you know, things change in family law all the time. Emergency motions come in, you got to fire off to court, and you don't even remember where you need to be. And, you know, you got to hope your staff can keep it all under, under lock and key. But there are times that people are scheduled for places, and there's an opportunity cost of being somewhere 
and you're not making money doing something else, you've got other deadlines to meet. Um, you know, just the the common courtesy of, you know, oh, you know, I'm calling to confirm that we're meeting tomorrow. And how many times have you heard, oh, you know what, I was just going to call you. I can't do it. Oh, you know what? That I mean, that's that's unfortunately entirely too common. And you know, there's gamesmanship that goes into that. But I had a I had a really nice experience today after I went to lunch. I'm on the way back, and I get a call from opposing counsel in a case that I just I just made an appearance in today, and uh, just calling to introduce himself and you know this that and the other. That is something that you just don't have happen all that often anymore. Uh, I mean, I try to do it on. On all of my cases, there are some times where I just don't get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, I do, but um, you know, you just don't have that. You have some people that think, and that frankly make it personal. You know, that if we're representing other folks, um, you know, then it's a fight between us, and that's not what it is. I mean, you know, neither one of us dealt the cards. We're playing the, the, the hands that our clients were dealt, you know, based on our experience and, and, and the strategy that we employ. But, you know, it's not about me fighting you in, you know, representing this guy or this girl. It's just not like that. And unfortunately, too many lawyers forget about that. Well, and the clients don't know that necessarily when they see there's nothing that I remember. This is a very, I, the most I ever remember is, right around law school and a couple years after that. After that's all blur. But I can remember a client coming out from it was some sort of hearing on something. I don't even know if it was family law, but the you know, the, the attorneys were going at each other in this hearing and then walked out and we're talking about a golf outing they were gonna both be in and the client turns to me because I'm the, I, actually I was the law clerk at the time. She's like, I think this thing is all sewn up. These two know each other. They're gonna throw me under the bus, knowing who's representing me. They're friends. They're battling each other, and they're actually friends. Right. Oh my goodness. It's it's amazing how how people think that. You've got to understand that, you know, family law is a very specialized niche, and at a certain level of family law, especially once you get into a bunch of the folks that are all board certified and that, you know, represent people at a certain economic level, let's say, let's put it that way, that we run into each other all the time. We're at the same continuing legal education events. You know, we see each other both professionally and even if we don't like to, we are forced to see each other socially. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to have some relationship typically with these people. And I had a, you know, I had a case not long ago where I had a client that, you know, uh, business guy and, you know, in the takeover realm and, you know, looked at everything as a personal fight and wanted to see that, you know, uh, uh, it was going to, you know, I was going to take things personally. And it's like, no, man, that's not going to happen. Now, you know, nobody likes a bare knuckle brawl more than me in, in the courtroom. And um, however, you know, it's not personal. It's just, it's not, you know, I don't hate the guy or gal on the other side and I hope they don't hate me, you know, because we're going to see each other again and we're going to see each other professionally and we're going to see each other personally. 
And life's too short, man. Like, you know, maybe when I was 25, right. you know, I didn't quite see it that way. But now at 50, yeah, it's a different story. Well, here's another thing, too, is that that person, and again, I, I'm just thinking about how young lawyers, you know, five years and under in their practice, um, that don't think about that this person who you might think is the worst scoundrel you know, and you can't wait to, you know, you, you're just, you're listening to certain music in the car on the way to court. You're like, I know what so-and-so is going to bring today and I'm ready and I'm ready. And this whole, that person or you might be a judge in a number of years. Right. And so, boom, they just came back at you. Well, and not just that, but I mean, every person that you think is an asshole and you treat them like that, they know 50 or a hundred other lawyers. Okay. Because of that number, Y'all are going to know some of the same people. So, mm-hmm. you know, be careful of how you treat people because it does not take much to start creating a bad reputation. And that, going back to the credibility thing, that's incredibly important when you have a judge. You know, judges talk. They talk. They so do. You, yeah, <laughs> surprisingly, right? You know, so you have people go in there and think that they can sit there and lie to one judge and then they get found out and you know, right off that county, because you can't go back. You are known as a liar and that you cannot be trusted. And, you know, talk to people. There are folks that are known like that. Talk to some judges. Yeah, people do get run out of town, even in bigger towns in North Texas. That's right. I mean, you will find people that in this area won't won't practice in a certain county for a certain reason. Right. You know? I always wonder, what happened? (laughs) That's right. What happened? Here's another, okay, here's another thing. Civility and knowing, oh, I don't want to say knowing your place, because some people probably be irritated by that, but um, Dallas County is not, well, stay in your lane, (laughs) but uh, Dallas County is not calling, it's not Denton, I mean, everyone has, you know, I'm a Denton guy, people always have their thoughts about Denton County or Tarrant or Dallas, I mean, are in the Metroplex, our counties might as well be other planets, they're so completely different. And when you're a Dallas lawyer going into Denton, I mean, you I know you're in Denton a lot, you know, right. and in Collin, but if you were to, you know, when you see other people coming from other courts into others, uh, any tips on how people should mind their P's and Q's or? Well, it, it's not the way it used to be, say, 20 years ago. Okay, God, and I sound like, you know, the old man with, get right. off my lawn. <laughs> right, right. But uh, it's not like it used to be. I mean, you know, now... Denton is, you know, there isn't any separation really between Dallas and Denton. There's stuff all the way up 35. It's not like it used to be. Same thing with going to Collin County. It used to be there was big separation. So you'd have, you know, these huge gaps and people would play that up. Oh, well, they're a Dallas lawyer or, well, they're a, you know, a Denton lawyer coming down here or Tarrant County. You know, and most of the people or a lot of the folks that are judges or other lawyers, they have business in other counties. So that doesn't play the way it used to. Now, having said that, (laughs) there are times where it clearly does, and especially if you um, you get outside some of the larger areas, you better do some recon on whose court you're in and what their propensities are, and do you need to hire local counsel, because sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like I remember I had a. Um, well, they all they, have different court rules too. They do. They all have local rules are different, and you know I remember going up on a case, and this was probably fifteen twenty years ago, and I thought, boy, I had these folks dead to rights, and I went up there, and I got my butt handed to me, and I was like, 
how did that happen? That's not the, the you know that's not what the law is. Blah 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 blah. And uh, I was talking to a guy who was my mentor at the time. He said, "Well, you did a you did a hell of a job of putting on that case." He said, "The problem is." The real case got put on last Wednesday at Bubba's Bar, you know, rather than rather than today when you thought it did. Right, right. Well, you know, there's also that judge who wants you to ask, you know, hey, you know, Your Honor, how was your fishing trip this weekend? And if you don't, you're a rude person, and that's all they're thinking. That's right. That's right. I mean, so they're just, you know, there are a whole lot of different things that go into all these different cases. So, you know. If you're hiring a lawyer, I would say, you know, or hiring a family lawyer, find someone that is board certified in family law that's been doing it a long time and ask them questions. What do you think about? Do you know, you know, do you know this judge? Do you know if, if there's already an attorney on the other side? Do you know that attorney? Uh, you know, what do you think about how do you, what's your practice style? You know, I, you can't, it is not one size fits all. I mean, I, I talk about, you know, being very aggressive in the way I handle stuff. But I also try to think outside of the box because going to court, going to trial, especially when there are kids involved, okay, especially when there are kids involved, should be the last resort. It should absolutely be the last resort. If you give a damn about those kids, you and your spouse or you and your significant other should be trying to find some common ground. You're not going to like it, and she's not going to like it, or she's not going to like it, and he's not going to like it. Whatever, understand if y'all both go away a little pissed, it's probably a good deal. But you should be trying to get that done rather than going and beating each other's brains out in the courthouse because guess what? Once those words are out there and all the flesh and bone is exposed, you have to deal with those people for the rest of your life. You yeah. Know, you think it stops at 18? It doesn't. Right. Well, you know, like <laughs> they say, like they say, the way that you handle yourself in the divorce and in a, you know, everything, you're setting the stage for how it's going to be moving forward. And if you're negotiating, um, you know, child placement, custody, and all that, and it's high conflict, then it's going to be high conflict always. Right. And then you run into these people that you know they get done with that and they want to go home and tell, you know, tell Janie that you know. Uh, mommy's this horrible person and I'm not going to be able to do that because mommy's not going to let me. And, you know, and the problem is that, you know what, Janie's half of each of y'all. So you're saying shitty stuff about her. I mean, that's just horrible. And people don't think about that. Right. You right. know, so don't dog cuss your ex. Yeah. You know, and again, you know, for all, for everyone out there, just try to maintain your manners, try to be civil, try to be reasonable, but just use that critical thought. And think, what's going on behind the uh, curtain, maybe, you know, or what's the motivation? And, you know, just try to take it, take deep breaths. Mark, this has been an enjoyable discussion today about civility. Again, I think it's something that is worth visiting and talking about time from time to time because, you know, the uh, more polite we can be, sometimes you can get, like they say, more bees with uh, honey than a shotgun. Um, for people who want to follow up on any of the things that we talked about today or they uh, heard something that sparked their interest, what's good ways of getting a hold of you to continue the dialogue? You know, you can always email me at mark at scrogginsfamilylaw.com, or you can always call me at the office, 214-469-3100. That is our Dallas office. You can also call me at our Plano office, uh, if I can remember the number here real quick, which is 469 626 5220. So, uh, you know, give me a call, shoot me an email, and we'll be uh, happy to help you out.
All right. Again, uh, Nick Augustine with Mark Scroggins from Scroggins Family Law and our monthly podcast full of all sorts of entertaining informational uh, goodies. Please, please do share some of this stuff. We were, um, you know, we talk about not everyone, not everyone opens it up to the world that they're going through a divorce. I mean, people hold this stuff very close to the chest sometimes. And, you know, when I say to people, you know, sharing it out there doesn't mean that you're going through just, you know, I always think hit the share button and say, this is information. You never know who your friend or neighbor might like. So do the kind thing and uh, let other people know when you hear good information. Again, Nick Augustine with Mark Scroggins. That's all the time we have for this month. We'll be back soon. Everyone have a great day. Thank you much. Zoom. I like I'm gonna start doing this more just like the one on ones because mm-hmm. it's the energy's good and you think about other things and I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought you were gonna good. talk about driving out too much job all I'm like, I'm like I don't know. As a matter of fact, there's one I'm like asshole client. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I mean you talk about the small world and um who is it? Like so Michelle Mayoni like she was there. And, you know, during, I've apologized to so many people, and it's not only me, like, Katie, Katie Samler also was saying to some, I was talking to her about it, because during the election, man, people lost their cool. A lot of people did, myself included. A lot of people said things that were really regrettable, you know, and I even, you know, like, I'm really comfortable with people, even like Tina Callahan, like, you know, and I even something, I don't think I said anything to her, but I think I deleted her or something. Right. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm being like, and I'm just like, what, Nick, you're 41. So you, you can't really pull the, I'm stupid emotionally, like you look unstable. Right. But like, I think a lot of people were just like, okay, that's good. But I mean, it's the, the small world is just. You know, the, there's not as much of a mix with Tarrant people back and forth. That's Tarrant County is in like, because I'm a Tarrant County bar, mm-hmm. and that's all. That's a very insular little bubble over there. Yes. And um, that's, but I mean, it's it's just kind of a you know 